It's episode 62 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show, and I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. This show is designed to empower women to find their own expression of the keto diet to maximize their health and happiness. Now let's get started with today's episode. Before we get going with today's episode, I just want to remind you all about Rasa Coffee. You guys all know how much I love Rasa Coffee by now, but I've just tried something and I have to share it with you all. If you've not tried the coffee alternative Rasa Coffee Iced, you absolutely have to. So you brew it. I brew it in the morning as normal, and then I put it in the refrigerator and wait until later in the day, like three o'clock, four o'clock-ish as my afternoon snack. It's become an iced rasa coffee with some full-fat creamy coconut milk and a dash of cinnamon. It is so good. You all have to try it. And the best part is, is that I feel really good drinking it because I know that it's doing great things for my adrenals, for my detoxification pathways, and for just having a little bit of a natural energy boost to get me through the rest of the day. There's no caffeine, there's no sugar, there's no gluten, there's no dairy, there's nothing else in it, but these amazing adaptogenic herbs that are so great for our adrenals and the rest of our body. They've also created this perfect recipe of these herbs that makes it taste amazing. It's not really a flavor I can describe because it doesn't taste like coffee, but it really does make an amazing coffee alternative, so a really good substitute. So whether you're looking to break your caffeine habit, which I think you all know I highly recommend for a lot of women that they do, especially if they are having issues with their adrenal health. This is a really great option, even if you use it to start weaning yourself off caffeine or you mix it with some decaf. That's a really great option, too. It's also really good in like a bulletproof style. So you can do that with your morning beverage. So no matter what, you have a purpose for Rasa Coffee in your life and you are going to love it. And because they are sponsors of the Keto for Women show, you get 10% off your order plus free shipping when you use the coupon code KETOWOMEN10. So you will head to rasacoffee.com slash keto for women and use the coupon code KETOWOMEN10 to get 10% off your order. We will have all that information linked in the show notes. You can head there right now. Use that link to grab your 10% off and get yourself some amazing coffee alternative. You will love it. Hey, hey, friends, welcome back. Thanks, as always, for joining me on this episode of the Keto for Women show. We have a really super awesome guest today. I cannot wait to get to this topic that we're going to talk about today because we are going to temporarily stop talking about keto and talk about something else, but also equally as important, if not more, actually, as changing your diet. And I think you all know, if you've listened to me for a while now, that you can't just be keto and expect everything else to fall into place. There's so much more to your health and happiness journey that 
to be honest, I know a lot of you are not doing or thinking about or making the changes. And so part of what I want to do here as the Keto for Women community expands is to help you understand what more needs to be done in order to truly get to your place of health and happiness that I know you all want so badly because you're using keto to get there, which is one very important piece of the puzzle, but it's not it. So I hope you all are cool with not talking about keto for an episode and going beyond keto and seeing what else is out there. I've recruited my friend Danielle De La Valle to talk about it, and we will get to her in just a minute. But I do have some really important announcements. One, I cannot tell you yet. So I have to leave you in suspense for hopefully just maybe one more episode, maybe two, depending on when things all get confirmed. But just know there's some big things coming to Fat Burning Female and Keto for Women and our little community we're building here. So I'll keep you in suspense. But one thing I can tell you kind of in lieu of this thing I can't tell you is some changes to my schedule. And one thing that will be impacting you all is that I will only be running one more fat-burning female project, so one more group going through this together, this whole keto transition and becoming part of this awesome fat-burning female community. Everything I talk about here, just really taking that and implementing it into your own life, we will be doing that one more time in 2018. And that is this September class that's coming up very, very soon. So I just want to make sure you know that, first of all, it's your last time this year to become a fat-burning female. And listen, everyone, listen now. I'm telling you this right now, months in advance. It is the last time at anywhere near this price. I've never changed the price of the Fat Burning Female Project over the past two years that I've been running it. And I think it's just a really great price. I'll be doing some new things within the class and updating it and adding a little bit of content. So the price is going to be jumping as of January 2019, which is the next time this course runs. So now's your chance to get in on this price. And the cool thing is since you are a lifetime member of the Fat Burning Female Project, you guys are going to be getting the new material and the updates, but you'll be getting it at the price that it is now instead of this new price that is coming up January 2019 when everything is done. So if you've ever wanted to be a Fat Burning Female, if you've ever considered it, then now is the time. September is your month to get in on the class. I'm just warning you now. Don't say I didn't warn you. So this whole thing, we do enrollment September 4th. So one day enrollment. Please remember, first of all, it's the day after Labor Day if you're in the States. And so you might be just getting back to things. But please remember, it's one day and it is going to sell out even quicker because of this final price thing before everything jumps up. So please be aware that it's going to go quick. So if you do want to get in on this September 2018 class before we have a little bit of a hiatus and then the price jumps in January, put it on your calendar and 
Also, make sure you go and sign up so that you get the email notifying you when enrollment opens. Everyone that's been on the email list typically gets in if they want to get in. It's the people that try to do it on their own and try to remember and then it's like Tuesday night and they forgot and just now are looking at their reminders and then they don't get in and they're not happy. So I would do both. I would put it on your calendar, but I would also make sure you get on that list so you get the email when it's open. You get a personal email from me the second it opens and you can make sure to get in on this last class of 2018. So that's Tuesday, September 4th. Hey, all you true crime fans. This is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morph. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. We start the following Monday, officially September 10th, but you'll get your course materials and you'll get ready. You'll have that weekend to get started and prepared. So you'll get your course materials Friday, September 7th. Okay. Don't say that you didn't know it was happening. Come January, you have your chance right now. I'll give you a few more reminders in the next few weeks as that approaches, but Now you know. Another thing I did mention already, I'm having a webinar on the 31st of August. Time has been determined to be 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. So adjust accordingly based on where you are in the country or the world. And I don't know, I'm kind of wavering on the topic. I feel like some people might still need the keto for hormones, the one that I did last time. So if you didn't get in on that and you still want to know keto for hormones, I can do that again Since it is live, I kind of always say new things anyway. So even if you were part of Keto for Hormones last time, you will definitely get some new info, of course, since I will surely come up with something else to say. So considering doing that, I just haven't quite pinned it down yet. But if you have any opinion, go ahead and send me a message over on Instagram or Facebook, not email, please be preferred. (laughs) I get a lot of those. And let me know if you have an interest in what the webinar is about. But that will be August 31st, 11 a.m. free webinar. You just have to sign up when I tell you to sign up. I'll do the sign up sheet about a week before, week to 10 days before. So that'll be next week. We'll start that sign up. And it's completely free. You can talk to me live or you can watch the recording. I will be recording and sending it out via email. I will also have someone else be doing the technology on this one. So if you were someone who tried to get in last time live and that said it was full, that won't happen this time because I will have someone else know how to do it, start the thing instead of me who doesn't know what they're doing. And it only capped it at 100, which I have no idea how that even happened. So just letting you know, you will be able to definitely get a spot if you definitely want a spot in the live one and want to be there with me. All right. Those are my immediate, definitely had to tell you about topics, but now we get to talk about something way more fun. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode. Let me tell you a little bit about Danielle before we get started. She's a certified nutritional therapy practitioner like me. 
author, public speaker, nutrition education program writer, instructor, and food educator. Having worked in the food, beverage, retail, and service industries for the past 18 years, Danielle has had an invaluable experience that greatly contributes to her now profession as an NTP and associate instructor for the Nutritional Therapy Association. After Danielle transitioned into nutrition, she dove headfirst, worked in a keto clinic as a principal nutritionist, opened a private practice, wrote a book, started a podcast, became an educator, and now is speaking all over the world, inspiring nutritionists and wellness professionals. Her love to heal and be of service to others is clear when you meet her. Her heart knows no bounds. I have met Danielle several times. We actually finally met in person, I think the first time at the NTA conference this year. And then again, on the low carb cruise, she was a speaker on the low carb cruise. And when I heard her talk that weekend, I knew that I wanted to have her on the show here today and really continue to spread her message of just self-love and self-care and acceptance of your body and learning more about your body and everything we kind of mention here on Keto for Women, but something that I think we all need to take more seriously. So she's going to give us the steps to do that. Without further ado, let's chat with Danielle. Danielle, thank you so much for coming on Keto for Women today. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. I'm so excited. <laughs> I am very excited too. We've talked in the past and we talked in person on the low carb cruise a few months ago. So that was really fun. And I knew even prior to that, that your message is something that I wanted to share on Keto for Women, but finally got around to getting you on the show. And I'm just really, really excited for the Keto for Women community to just hear these amazing messages that you have to teach women. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to chat about these things. Yes, I know. So am I. So let's get into it. First, let's hear more about you. Who are you, Danielle? Yeah. So let's see. I am an NTP like you, and I started six years ago, and I actually was a principal nutritionist for a ketogenic weight loss clinic. And I did that for two years and I started to see a narrative that just was a broken model. The whole weight loss system, regardless of the fact that they were using keto, the fact that people weren't using food to heal and were so focused on a number on the scale, it just didn't sit right with me. I didn't feel like I was living my purpose there. And so I decided to break out into private practice and changed the narrative with my clients and started to see longer impacts in terms of how people saw their bodies and you know the awareness that they had in terms of their healing. And it started to almost kind of bleed into every aspect of their life. And I started to see this kind of like long-term joy that they were feeling when we took away that aspect of being focused on weight loss. And so I decided to write Happy Weight. And that kind of ended up going a little bit further and kind of infiltrating the wellness sphere. And I started seeing wellness professionals using it as a tool and then also using it for themselves. So that's kind of where I'm at now is developing a platform for women to kind of just do the real work and not using this very linear kind of like brainwashing mechanism that doesn't help us to get to the real stuff. So that's where I'm at now. Oh, I just love it. So let's really get into that. First of all, do you have your own experience with being stuck focusing on weight and what your body looked like and then having to break that mold yourself to get into this happier place? Oh, 100%. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So let's hear that story. Yeah. So I grew up in Orange County, California. And I mean, everybody knows it's famous for people not really eating much and over-exercising and trying to kind of like attain these unrealistic body goals. Body shaming was normal conversation. Eating disorders were completely normalized. So growing up in that environment was just not, clearly that's not conducive for someone to have healthy self-image or even to eat healthfully because at that point your eating is so disordered that you don't even know what to do in terms of eating to heal your body. And so I struggled for a long time of seeing what my body would look like if it was bigger. I mean, it's not like I am not something that's unrecognizable. I've only gained 20 pounds at this point, but the fact is that I've never felt more myself or never felt more alive or happy or even healthy in my body. And so it took me a while to actually recognize that it doesn't matter if your body changes. It just matters what's kind of going on internally. Because at that time I was having thyroid heart palpitations. I was having severe adrenal fatigue. My hair was falling out. I had mental health disorders. I mean, pretty bad. I had anxiety, paranoia, Mm -hmm. you know, depression, all the things. And so, but the problem is, is that we get so focused on the way our body looks that we normalize mental health issues and we normalize endocrine like collapse. And we think that those things are totally normal, but healthy is when you're skinny, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's the messed up part of our culture is that we'll actually let our bodies fall apart because we're so focused on that number. And so now I'm so free and happy and I feel so much better in my body. And I'm just like, I'm totally healthier which some people would think that that's just obscene because there is that issue right now with the body positive movement is everyone's like, oh, bigger bodies are not healthy, but that's not really true. And so it's been liberating. It was hard work, but I'm starting to realize that I feel more myself when I'm doing work. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that with that work, because it is hard work and I totally agree. I've been in the same place and people listening to this episode most have heard my story of just being in this fitness industry, being a figure competitor, trying to be as skinny as I possibly could, being super unhealthy when I got there and having to kind of come out of that and just be so much more focused on my health. And the hard part is that transition seems like, oh yeah, just do that. Just focus on being healthy and forget about what you look like. Don't look in the mirror. But that is really, really hard. And that's where I think a lot of women are stuck right now listening to this is they've heard me talk about how much more important it is to focus on healing your body. And then from there, your body will just find its happy place, which is, I know what you talk about. So, but you really have to put the focus on your health, but yet it's so hard to break that cycle of like stepping on the scale and being sad when your skinny jeans don't fit and all of this stuff. So, I mean, you've done this with clients. What are some of the steps that you see helps women kind of at least get started on that path? Well, we have to get uncomfortable before we can get comfortable. And so I think that the hard part is that I offer tough love with an element of holding space for kindness. And the thing is, is you have to get rid of your scale. Like it cannot live in your house. It cannot be there. If you know you have an unhealthy relationship with it, it needs to leave. And if you have this issue with like always holding your skinny jeans as a goal, they need to go. 
And this is the thing, you have to alter your environment in order to alter your mental state. So you even have to confront people that you have unhealthy conversations with. You have to set boundaries with people. That's the part is like doing the work isn't easy or else everybody would be in a place where they love themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have to kind of get to that place where we are, we're pushing ourselves into these spaces that are not the most comfortable, but then in the end, everything starts to evolve. So those conversations with family members, friends, those start to change, those start to evolve, and then they start to be kinder towards you. And then you start to realize that you're not missing the scale, you're not missing your genes anymore. If it's even photos that you look at, you know, you have to put those photos away or take new photos and be proud of the body you're in now and take photos of that. And this is the thing is bodies can change they can fluctuate throughout time, but we have to be proud of our body no matter what size it is. And so that also too, doing that mirror work. And you know, so many people are so uncomfortable with looking at themselves naked in the mirror. And no matter how taboo people might think that is, there's very powerful work in that as well, because we are just completely bare and we're looking at ourselves and think about what emotions come up in that moment. What are you thinking? Are you saying terrible things to yourself? are you saying kind things to yourself? And would you shame other people in your life the way that you're shaming yourself? And so those are kind of the things that I go into with clients and with happy weight and just kind of asking these questions, these very kind of posed why questions. Why are you doing this? Why do you feel this way? Why are you making yourself feel this way? And what's the end result? Because if we don't think of this as a mental health journey as much as it is a physiological health journey then the delineation is what gets us completely off track. So what do you say to the people that, because this is something I get often in the keto community, that legitimately do have to lose weight to become healthy? And that's where they're struggling is because they are at an unhealthy weight. The weight that is on them is keeping them from being their best self and getting to some good health markers that they're trying to achieve. But, you know, so it's hard to break that cycle because now that is tied to their health. Mm. Yeah. So I think the thing is, because when we do have excessive adipose tissue on the body, we can trap certain, you know, negative hormones and toxic chemicals in there. It's just how the body works. And so in order to detoxify those, that tissue has to go through the systems and then we lose that tissue. But the thing is, is when we're so focused on a number, that number becomes the goal instead of focusing on losing the toxins that are inside of the body. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the thing is if we take a more almost scientific approach to our health, even though you don't have to be a science nerd or a nutrition nerd to be into these things, but if you are really focused on your health, focus on the things that are actual tangible goals. Because the thing is, is that society sets us up for failure. They want you to feel bad about yourself if you don't reach a certain number because that's the way they're programming you. But if you shift that focus and say, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure I drink 120 ounces of water today so that all of my detox pathways are open so that I can make sure that all of that toxin is leaving my body. It's a completely different approach that we can take that helps us to understand how the mechanism is actually working. Because if we don't have grasp of the mechanism, then we give that number on the scale power. 
It controls us. It is our bearer of truth when there is actually no truth in that. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And when you mentioned earlier, like you've got to get rid of the scale. If you have an unhealthy relationship with the scale, I think it would be really, really hard to find someone that has a healthy relationship with the scale. (laughs) It's it's like, it's an arbitrary, unless you can legitimately get on a scale and be like, oh, well, that number actually means nothing which at that point, why even bother taking that step to get on the scale, right? So I don't even know that that exists. And I think that that's really important to point out is like, really, if you're getting on the scale to find out how much you weigh and at any point that is determining whether you're happy or sad, it's not a healthy relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Whether you feel good about yourself or bad about yourself or whatever, like it is determining your emotion and your day and how you're going to proceed with your day and probably the food you put on your plate, not healthy. Definitely not healthy. And if anything evokes any sort of like negative emotion that's not, you know, something you're actively working on emotionally, then it needs to go. And the thing is, is that, okay, so if you are in a body that you know you will find health if you lose this tissue, then focus on the tests, focus on the results. Mm -hmm. Take your hormone test every three to six months. Mm -hmm. Take your vitamin mineral tests, your heavy metal toxicity tests. Go to a functional medicine doctor that's actually going to be measuring real tests and not just putting you on a scale as a measure for your health because that doesn't make any sense at all whatsoever. They can't determine your high blood pressure by the scale. They can't determine that you have Hashimoto's by using a scale. So that's the thing is we have to go so much deeper if we really want to break this model and get to a place where we can be happy and healthy in our bodies. And I love that you brought up in that instance, instead of focusing on, I have to lose this number because my doctor told me that's how much weight I need to lose in order to be in a certain category or something like that. Instead, you know, realizing that there's probably some toxicity issues and focusing on that. So then if you think that way, you still are making probably the same choices, but from a much better place. Like you mentioned, eat or drink enough water in order to help the removal of the toxins, you would eat more vegetables in order to help with liver support to remove the toxins. So you would probably make the same choices and it would come from a much better place that, you know, just mentally that you're doing something for your health instead of focusing on only the weight that needs to be lost. And I would venture to bet it goes a lot better and a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like true body love is loving every aspect of your body, loving your liver, loving your heart, loving your adrenals. Mm -hmm. When we can wake up in the morning and we're so connected to our bodies that we know what our body needs, that's the goal that we should be trying to reach is being able to tap into ourselves and absolutely have that connection to listen to our body and know what it needs instead of determining our day by stepping on that scale for sure. Yeah. Do you think that it is tough? Cause I do think it was tough for me at the beginning to tap into my body. I knew that that's what I should be doing, especially as it comes to like with food. I mean, I'd spent my entire life dieting and then to all of a sudden just kind of think about like, well, what do I want to eat? Or like, what does my body telling me it wants to eat or needs as fuel? But I think that that switch, I mean, I talk about it all the time here And it's really hard for me to like totally explain because it's intuitive. It's something that your body is telling you. But I think a lot of women have a hard time hearing that, at least at the beginning, don't you? 
Yeah. The beginning is always going to be tough because our hunger signals and our craving signals are all kind of not connected because if we do have a lot going on in the body, if we have yeast overgrowth or we have the mm-hmm. wrong, you know, microflora population, we're going to have different signals that just are not crossing or connecting properly. And so that's why working with an NTP is really important because we're really good at body talk. We're really good at biofeedback. So we can ask those questions of like, what is your body feeling and why? And at what time? And, you know, those different things. So when you're starting your journey, I think it is important to work with a practitioner that knows how to help you to get to that intuitive space. Because then once you've done the healing and those signals are connected, then we can start to say, oh, well, I'm really craving sugar today because I know my yeast is out of control. Mm-hmm. Or I'm craving salt today because I ran a marathon yesterday and my adrenals need salt. Mm-hmm. So getting to that place where we're so connected with ourselves, you don't have to be a specialist to know these things, but it does take some care and time working with someone. And I think that that's important. We all have a doctor, so why don't we all have a nutritionist? Oh, totally. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's so true. It really is true. And, you know, especially if you are someone, which if you're listening to this podcast, then you probably are, you realize to some degree that food is medicine and we can use food in such a powerful way way to heal our bodies. But I really do think, and you know, something that you brought up several times is you have to know your body. So not only does that mean, you know, looking yourself naked in the mirror and realizing how you talk to yourself and this inner work that we definitely can do, but also I think the health markers are really important and giving yourself something else to focus on, some other markers to see how you're progressing besides the number on the scale. I think that that really takes such a huge turn because then you're not filling your plate with food based on what the scale said. You're filling your plate with food based on your blood sugar markers or the fact that you do have a candida overgrowth or just any sort of we're just changing the narrative. You're focusing on becoming the healthiest you, but you have to realize the scale has nothing to do with it. But yeah, I just, I think that such a big message here is just, you have to find out more about your body in order for any of this to work. Just knowing how much you weigh and the size of your genes gives you absolutely no information about your body. Like nothing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. So you just really have to, and I say this in every single episode, you know, I I like to try to empower women to take care of themselves and find out more about themselves in order to actually do this work. Like you can't say you're healthy if you're only focusing on the weight. And I know it's something within the keto community, which I know you agree that is so prominent, even though we want to do the work and we want to change the narrative in our head. It's like every single day I get a question about weight loss and keto. So I want there to be more of a conversation besides just weight. And I feel like it's just a constant battle. So why do we still have this narrative? Is it society? Is it our family, our friends? Is it something that's some sort of outside source or is it within us? I think the hard part is that it's almost layered like a pyramid. You know what I mean? So the foundation is definitely going to be society as a whole. We've done a little bit of work to scratch the surface, 
in order of trying to definitely the kind of like more towards health and body positive movement is gaining some traction, but society as a whole, the mass majority is still focused on this one specific idea. And then the next layer is definitely going to be friends and family and people in your direct environment. Because even though you might be working hard to change yourself, there are going to be these constant reminders. And then the last tier is us falling victim to that. Because some of us will try once and then someone will say something and then society will back it up and then we're just, we're out, we're done. So sticking it out through the long haul and if it takes a year or two or whatever until you've completely altered your environment around you, then you can find a space that's safe. But that's the thing is like I said before, is that it, it does take work because what's happening is... So let's take it back to when all of this started to change. And so if we go back to the last mid-century and we think about what school was like, we had a great athletics department, kids didn't really drive, they walked everywhere, we didn't have fast food, that was really like special on a Friday night kind of a thing at the A&W, they'd have milkshakes and burgers, it wasn't the way that it is today. Most of society had any sort of like physical activity attached to that as well. Our food, like our raw organic milk was delivered to our door in glass bottles that was recycled. You know, we had this beautiful societal kind of hug going on around us that supported us in terms of us having this very healthful environment to protect and love our bodies. But then of course, after the Second World War, everything changed. We canned everything. You know, everything was about convenience and there was lab created food and now there's commercials and now it's bled into society. And so the unfortunate aspect is that this is a long-term plan that has gotten us to where we are to think about food as convenience and that, that super hit we're going to get in the brain from those chemically altered ingredients. And then, of course, society telling you that you measure your health by a scale. So, of course, we're always going to think of health as weight loss because we don't remember yesteryear. We're not attached to it. We're many generations later now. And it's kind of like the fallout. It's the aftermath. So in order for us to make that shift, it, we have to be almost the activists. You know, everyone listening to this podcast, you have an opportunity to change the life around you so that you don't have to feel like weight loss is your only goal in life. Totally. Before we move on with this episode, let me just take a minute to remind you all about the healing power of bone broth, and more specifically, Oh So Good Bone Broth, who is a proud Keto for Women sponsor. Bone broth is the best, most nutrient-dense way that you can go to heal your body and heal your gut and improve your skin and nails and hair. The amino acid profile in bone broth is absolutely incredible, something we all need and a lot of us miss on a regular basis. Not to mention those micronutrients, the vitamins and minerals also provided naturally in bone broth that work to heal your gut and also to heal your immune system and to keep you healthy and well. That's why we are recommended to drink broth when we're sick or when we feel ourselves getting sick and to have that in a package that is so delicious and so easy, all you have to do is grab a pack of oh so good bone broth out of your freezer, let it thaw, put it into a pot, and you can use it either in recipes for whatever you're making that day or my personal favorite is to just drink it straight out of a mug. 
It's very comforting and warm. I love to do it before bed. It's kind of my nighttime ritual. It calms me down, makes sure that I'm nice and healthy heading into bedtime, and I have those nutrients ready to go. Oh So Good Bone Broth is 100% the best tasting broth out there. It is the best one I have ever had. I've tried them all. I am a huge fan of the flavors of the bone broth that they have there at Oh So Good. My favorite is the Signature. I highly recommend that. A close second is the Spicy Pork. So make sure when you are placing your order with Oh So Good, you grab those two and just give them a try. Let me know if you think they're your favorite too. And make sure you always have some around. I know you can make your own, but there's just times when all of a sudden you or your family member feels like they're coming down with something and you need some broth immediately, but you don't have any bones. You don't have the time to make some broth. And it's just really nice to have that in the freezer ready to go for whenever you or your family needs it, which really, honestly, it's an everyday thing. You need to be making this a ritual so that it gets into your health care routine because it is a much needed part of that. So head to ohsogoodbones.com and get $10 off your order when you use the code KETO, the number for women. That's O-S-S-O goodbones.com and use the coupon code KETO, the number for women to place your order, get $10 off. Make sure to try all those flavors. Try the soups too. They are phenomenal and so easy to pull out and have around for a quick dinner. Uh, Just so great. Everything's so good there. I promise you're going to be obsessed. My big question for you, have you ever seen somebody successfully lose weight and get to their ideal weight and stay there forever who was not healthy, I guess, internally and hadn't done this kind of work on themselves and acceptance and whatever. So I'm talking lose weight and stay there forever and still have this negative body image, still have this fixation with the number on the scale, still diet, all this stuff, but be actually successful with weight loss. Well, that's the thing is most often not. Right. So like 80% of the population is going to gain all their weight back or maybe even 90, but the tiny, tiny percent of people that keep it off have very disordered relationships with food and exercise. And it's something they have to live with for- Forever, forever. In order to stay where they want to stay. And like, that's a really tough spot to be in. I think there's a lot of people listening who have or have had a disordered relationship with food and exercise. And that is- zero fun. (laughs) It's it's terrible. It's so hard. It's so exhausting to think about your food all day long like that in that unhealthy way. Man. Yeah. Yeah. And then just feel like you have to go burn it off or like whatever weird thing we have in our minds where like we have to go beyond the elliptical for a certain number of time because we had a certain amount of food. Like that is exhausting. Just even saying that makes me exhausted. So, and I've been there, you know, I've been there. So I get it. And it's like, you have this choice. You have to do this work to successfully get your body to its happy weight, which is the title of your book. You have to do this internal work. You have to do this mindset shift. You have to make these changes. You have to be happy now. You have to accept your body and, and love your body regardless. So let's flip and talk about that a little bit. So let's talk about self care, self love these kinds of 
ideas that I think women hear a lot about. They're definitely becoming a lot more popular. Thank goodness, especially in this holistic health space. And I think that women are starting to understand that it's something that they probably should take part in. But I think, let me know if you agree. I think a lot of women are still not doing it. They know it's out there. Like I have to do this time for self-care. I need to think about this word self-love and what that means, but there's very few women actually taking the necessary steps. Nobody's definitely doing it or else I'd be a best-selling <laughs> author and I'd never have to work again. <laughs> <laughs> totally. We still have a ways to go. We have a long ways to go, but I knew what I was getting into when I started to do the work. But honestly, I think the thing is, is that if you look at like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, they're all dopamine hits, right? And so everyone wants positivity all of the time, or if something negative is happening, they're watching somebody else and it's not about them. And so this is the thing is the self-love, even though that's a positive term, it's not positive work because you actually have to focus on your stuff. And so I think that's why it's not as popular because people want to stay within the parameters of the rules that keep them safe and happy where they don't actually have to be vulnerable and share things with the world. But when you cross into the self-love, body positive, happy weight world, you have to do the work. So that's the thing is like, are you ready? And I think that's if, have you gotten to a place where you're so sick of living in this world where you are so regimented on all these things that don't make you happy, or do you want to do the short-term hard work to get to the long-term happiness? But a lot of people don't want to do it. I think it kind of goes back to that idea we were talking at the beginning, which is like, it's hard. It's really hard to not only change the narrative in your head, but then now you have to actually like make time in your day to do this, right? Like you have to, it's not just this switch that you flip, It actually takes the effort and sometimes it takes time. If you're actually doing some sort of self-care practice, like you have to make that time in your day to do that. And that means like changing routine and whatever. And we don't want to do that. A lot of us. So give me some of your like best tips for maybe self-care or self-care practices that you really like or self-love practices, things that you like to see women do. I think the thing is, is that I like people to elevate to their true self. Because most people don't. Most people listen to a podcast because a friend recommended it. They read a book because a friend recommended it or they saw it on the best-selling list or whatever. Nobody's actually like going out there and searching for the things that they actually like. A lot of people don't have unique identity because they're trying to identify with other people. So the first, getting your toe wet into change and self-care because change is hard for people. It's really hard because we like our creature comforts. We like to do what everybody else is doing. We don't want to look different because at some point or another in our life, we were either shamed or made fun of or embarrassed, and we don't ever want to feel that way again. And so we work really, really, really hard to keep our life exactly the same and just like everybody else so that we don't feel that feeling again. And so I really like to encourage people to find something that you actually like. If it's cross-stitch, do it. If it's reading tarot cards, do it. Whatever it is, whether you think it's weird or normal or not normal, you can keep it private to yourself. Nobody else has to know, but that's the first kind of toe into change is finding something that actually helps you to identify with who you really are. Because most people are living in a reality that is not who they really are. And it's something that you super enjoy doing and like lights you up. 
lights you up. Yeah. yeah. Like your soul, you feel connected. You feel elated. You feel euphoria. Like, oh my gosh, whoa, what was that? I want to do that again. Mm. Yes. I love it. We should be doing that. And it's so interesting to see how many women don't really have a hobby. They don't. Or anything that they do for themselves because, you know, a lot of the women listening are moms or wives or girlfriends or whatever. And they are putting other people first, of course. So, you know, really like the first step is realizing that in order to be your best self for those other people, you have to do this for yourself. Like it has to be part of your life. It's not like an option. It's not this frilly thing that like, oh yeah, we should be doing this, but who has time for that? Like this needs to be a priority if you are going to be your best self for other people. Absolutely. Because people pleaser pleases no one Mm -hmm. because no one's happy in the end. Everyone outside of you is narcissistically taking advantage of you and then you're left completely depleted. And then you hate your life and everybody else feels that. And until we can actually start doing the things that bring us joy and self-care doesn't always mean baths and music. Self-care can actually mean that, hey, you cleaned that one part of your closet out finally and mm-hmm. you feel really good about it. Whatever that means, self-care can be different for every person. But once we actually start doing that piece where we are living in our truth and we feel comfortable and we're taking care of ourselves, it's electrifying what happens to everybody else around you. Mm, so true. Yeah. And a really important step because I think that level of having this alone time with yourself, being able to actually take that time to connect and do something that you really love to do also then translates into having this time to like figure out what's going on in your head a little bit too. Like, what are these stories I'm telling myself? What is keeping me in this negative headspace? And like one of the biggest things that I'm super passionate about is just helping women understand like how often they talk negatively to themselves, mm. whether it's about their body or like about how they're doing in their job or about how much money they just spent or whatever. Like we're in this constant negative self-talk about life in general. And so I do think that taking time for self-care kind of helps us realize that a little bit. Cause it's like, we actually have time to notice those thoughts. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Some people are so, they don't even know that they're burning the candle at both ends. Mm -hmm. And so they don't even realize that they're not taking time for themselves. Because how do you even have time to take time for yourself if we are just allowing everybody else to take our energy from us? So how can we even know what we think or feel or what we could actually be dealing with if we don't take these moments, like these little tiny mini vacations, whatever they are, you know, whether it's literally just five minutes driving around the block with no music or anything on to like be with your thoughts. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I think you're doing really important work, Sean, because you're really bringing all of these things full circle and helping people to ask themselves these really difficult questions. And I think it really gets to the root of what does the weight loss even mean? Why are we even here? Totally. I mean, like you have to answer those questions for sure. Let's talk about self-love. Again, a word that's being thrown around quite a bit, which is great. But I think, I don't even know if women understand what that means. So like, what is your definition of self-love? My definition of self-love, just for me personally and not what I'm preaching to other people, because I always try and keep everything very open and varied because everyone makes their own definition. But mine personally is when I am in alignment with 
what it is that makes me feel myself. Mm. And it took me a really long time because I grew up, I love my family. I love the friends I grew up with, but we are very different people. And I had to leave the state I grew up in in order to find myself. I'm not saying everybody has to do that, Mm -hmm. but I had to shift it completely. So now I live in the woods, which is amazing because I feel connected to nature and that makes me feel connected to myself. So I go walk barefoot in the morning in my grass and sit out with the hummingbirds and drink my coffee. And I like a slow life. Even though I'm, I work really hard and I try and do a lot of things in the world, I like my life around me to be very quiet and very slow. And so that might not be what resonates with other people, which is fine, but that's what makes me feel myself. And I journal a lot. I am really, really hardcore about my sleep. So I Mm -hmm. make sure I get eight to 10 hours every night. Mm -hmm. And so my self-care has to do with my health because I know that my endocrine system is my primary focus. If I'm out of alignment, my adrenals and my thyroid are totally messed up. And so I always know that if I keep this slow, this secretive slow life to self-care for me, then I can have that busy, fast work life that I power out you know, every once in a while when I do contract work and that kind of stuff. So like I said, it's different for everyone. But for me, it's like doing the dishes before my husband comes home because he works a really hard job and that really makes him feel good about himself. So then when he feels good about himself, I feel good about myself. You know, and just navigating your relationships differently and seeing the outward kind of you know, reaction Because the thing is, is I could be a better wife, I could be a better daughter, a better friend, if, like I said before, if I'm in alignment with my true purpose. So when I'm the happiest, everybody else is the happiest because then I'm not reacting negatively. I'm not lashing out in anybody. I'm not, which I'm not that type of person anyway. Mm -hmm. But if we think about it, the less agitated we are, then the happier our surroundings are. So for me, like self-love has a lot of layers and definitions. But ultimately, it means I'm in my peaceful space. And do you think that you've maybe found what works for you or your definition of self-love when you can look in the mirror and be like, I love you, self? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's the end goal, right? So you have to get to that point. You have to find that kind of lifestyle or those kinds of activities that get you to that point. Now I know, and this was really hard for me when I first started on this self-love journey myself a couple of years ago, when I first did that, I couldn't do it. Like it was really hard to look at myself in the mirror and say, I love you. And that is how I knew I had a lot of work to do and I had to make this a priority. So, you know, for me, of course, I think I love that definition that you gave of just like really making your surroundings and just your relationships and just everything, like really getting that to a point where it resonates with how you want to live your life and like really being your true self. So I think that that is a really good place to start for sure. But what are just some like, easy tips you have for people just to start doing this mirror work and like, what does that look like? Or is it, you know, just having a mantra or something, just like little things that people can start with today? Yeah, we'll see. Cause the thing is, is weight loss is never really about weight loss. It's Mm -hmm. so much deeper than that. It comes from, you know, like I said before, the first time we were shamed or embarrassed or conversation or how we were raised and that type of stuff. So Once we start doing the work, a lot of things unfold, a lot of things come up. And so before we want to like kind of burst that bubble 
and have everything kind of change around us, the little light thing in the mirror work, you're right in that aspect of like being able to look at ourselves and just change even just that. Because that's like what the first 30 minutes of your day when you're in the bathroom, getting ready, taking a shower, putting your makeup on, all that kind of stuff. You're definitely looking at yourself a lot of times. You don't even realize the things you're saying to yourself because a lot of people are like put on their eyeliner and they're like, no, you look like garbage. Why did you do that? But you don't realize you're saying that to yourself. So I think every time you get ready in the morning, try not to say one negative thing to yourself. Not Ooh, one. I love that. That not a single one. <laughs> that is right now. I think if you haven't tried that before, most people are like, "Oh, well, sh- I can do that." Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Want to bet? <laughs> yeah, seriously. You have no idea how much when we are in front of the mirror you're putting on your eyeliner and you look at yourself at the mirror and you're like, Oh, my arm looks fat when I do that. Or, you know, just something. Yes, yeah. Like, you have no idea. It's just, it's like subconscious <laughs> thing that we do now. It's crazy. So yeah, when I first started making that a goal that I had, like I said, a couple of years ago, when I started this whole journey, wow, I was floored at how often I talk negatively about myself when I'm looking at right at myself. So sad. It's so sad. <laughs> So yeah, that's a really good challenge for everybody today to do. Love it. Do that. Do that. (laughs) Yeah. Do that and see how it goes. But really that is, I think a good wake up call really is what it is for. I think a lot of women to, I guess, maybe get it a little bit more serious about having this element of self-love in their lives. And another thing I know you mentioned quickly earlier that I love is always having it in the back of your head when you are having these negative things come up in your own mind. How would you talk to your best friend? You should be saying things to yourself that you would say to your best friend or your mom or your sister or someone that's really close to you and that you love. You should be talking the same exact way to yourself, the way that you would them. You would never if your friend was putting on eyeliner, you would never be like, your arm looks really gross when you do that. <laughs> right? <laughs> and if you are that type of person, it's a projection of your own insecurity. Well, yes, yes, exactly. Then you have some more work to do. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I really like that though, just keeping that always at the forefront, just as a reminder when you're starting out in this process of changing your mentality is really focusing on how how these messages that you're saying to yourself, would you ever say that to somebody else? Most likely not. And then really understand like, okay, if you said that to someone, how would that make them feel? That's how you're making yourself feel. Like you're doing this to yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think that all of it is so important. And it really is, I think, part of the process. If you are someone that wants to lose weight, that's fine. You can want to lose weight, but you have to understand the rest of the process and how much more goes into that and how much more you do have to focus on your health and your mindset. So we're not just talking about, which we did talked about the tests and everything that you should get, but listen to how much we're talking about the mindset that you have to change. Absolutely. Absolutely. And who's a little bit more 
positive in terms of helping you reach your goals and not, you know, kind of shaming you into health. And that's the thing is, is trying to make sure that your environment is appropriate, but we also want to make sure that we're, we're doing the work in a different aspect. And, you know, something interesting that I've seen is that some people that do all this work and go through body positive change, then they start to think like, well, is it okay if I exercise? And is it okay if my body ends up changing after all of this? And it's like, yes, absolutely. It's fine. Your body is going to find whatever shape or size it wants to find when you have found optimal health. Mm-hmm. And that looks different for every single person. You know, some people end up with smaller bodies and some people end up with bigger, thicker bodies because of all how they build muscle. You know, it's just everybody is so different. And I think that's the thing is like, once we stop looking at this one way that we think everything is supposed to be, we'll just be so much freer and happier. Oh, so I mean, and we both have been there. So we now have two people on one episode saying (laughs) how true this is. Like not only is it a case where you get healthy and your body just finds where it also is healthy and happy and like you don't have to think about it or worry about it ever again, which is pretty amazing. But it's just, I don't know, it just is such a different way to live, to just have this free sense. And again, both coming from people that haven't ever had that until now, right? Where you just feel so free because you have focused on your health, because you've gotten to this place where your body and mind are healthy and happy. It's like just the best feeling. It really is the best feeling. Yeah, because I could focus on other things that are more important now. Exactly, like fun and like enjoying the outdoors and the hummingbirds and sipping the coffee and all these things that you do. Exactly. And going on a bike ride and not being mental about it, you know, being like, I'm enjoying this bike ride and I like everything that's around me, you know? Um, I love it. I love it. Okay, so tell us more about your book. Give us the breakdown of what that actually looks like. Yeah, so Happy Weight is, it's 11 chapters. It's part bio mostly about mental health, you know, surrounding our body image. But then of course I'm, you know, an NTP. So then there's some kind of like physiological health aspects to it as well. I've got talk about digestion and hormones and, you know, that type of stuff. So really what happy weight is, is like you're having a session with me. It really does. And it's so funny because I didn't understand my writing style until people had read the book. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's like we're having a conversation. So when everyone either reads Happy Weight or listens to the audiobook, they really feel like they're just hanging out with me and going through this process. And so you actually feel very loved and comforted, which is really cool because it was my intention to make sure that no one felt judged or shamed or indifferent and that every single person could feel spoken to or even just excited that someone else shares a message that they do. Uh, Because some people that have done the work, you know, they read it and they're like, yes, I love that you feel that way. So it's just kind of, it's very different from the other body positive books out there. Because I think the thing is, having have gone through this myself and also worked in a clinic and then pushing it a little bit further in terms of understanding that this this ends up changing everything around you. I think it's an easy, gentle way to get into this mindset. And you don't have to. Some people like literally totally go crazy and read it in two days, which is amazing if you're that Mm -hmm. type of person. But some people can only read half a chapter because they're like, whoa, I really need to think about this. Mm -hmm. And then they think about it. So it 
doesn't have a one size fits all within the book itself, which is funny because I wanted it to be bio-individual, but then it literally has a bio-individual experience as well. Mm -hmm. So it really, it is what you want it to be, I think. And, but you do, no matter who you are, feel changed after you read it for sure. Totally agree. I read it so good. I absolutely loved it. And yeah, I think every single female would take something different from that book for sure. And, but really actually be able to apply it to their lives forever. So I think that that's really important. You're doing such incredible, amazing, important work with the messages that you share. Thanks, Sean. So are you though. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I do have one last quick question that ties into that. Would you agree with me that this lifestyle, because obviously this is the Keto for Women show, that what we're talking about as far as the mental work that needs to happen, the becoming more intuitive with your food and less tracking and apps and all these things that are really important in the keto community, do you think it is possible to be keto, be healthy, and have all of this other stuff going on that you're working on? Absolutely. We can do it all, basically, is what I want. And that's what my message is. I very much promote an intuitive keto diet, which may mean that you have carbs sometimes. It may mean that you sometimes don't eat enough fat or whatever, but that it's all okay, that you can do both. You absolutely can do both and have it all and do it all. Because the fact of the matter is, is that ketogenics are a physiological process that lives within the human body. And that is something that we can track and that is something that we can manipulate in a positive way of using manipulation. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that it's not obsessive unless we make it obsessive. Mm -hmm. If it's something that's a part of our daily life, it's a part of our routine. And you know what? Sometimes you do need to carb up because sometimes like, honestly, the adrenals do need glucose sometimes. And if you're a keto athlete, you're going to get depleted. And so sometimes you need that glucose. Some people out there, and this is the problem, is like people think keto is only one way. Keto is not only one way. Keto is a million ways. It's a million ways. (laughs) And everybody is so different that keto is not going to be the same for every person. And that's why listening to someone like you is very important. Because if we're just listening to so-and-so that sells that exogenous ketone on the side as a side business who says keto is the same for everyone, that's not going to be the person you want to go to. You need to be going to somebody who has a background in nutrition that knows how to help other people and knows how to understand the nuances of a bio-individual body. And the thing is, is that keto is very therapeutic, very beneficial. It works for most people, but not all people. And the variations are very different depending on what your health goals are. So absolutely. And I love keto. I mean, I I started experimenting with keto when I was in my early 20s before it was even a thing. And you know what? I had a really great time. But the thing is, is that I realized, unfortunately, because of my endocrine system being where it's at, I need a little bit more carbs. Mm -hmm. So I'm a low carber, I guess you could say, but I don't like to identify either. Yeah, yeah, and that's so cool. I mean, I think that that's really important too and a big step for a lot of even nutritionists, healthcare providers, whatever, where we get to this point where you don't necessarily need to identify with anything. We just do what feels good. Exactly. And that's where everyone should be. That's what I want for everyone to be. Even if it's not keto and you're listening to the Keto for Women show, that's what I want for everybody is to find where you feel really good and just stay there. Just do that. Do that. <laughs> just do that. Thing. <laughs> 
Danielle, thank you so much for coming on Keto for Women. Tell everybody where they can grab your book, where they can find out more about you. I know you're all over the social medias. Give everyone the scoop. Yes. Well, thank you first and foremost, Sean, for having me on because this was super fun today. I'm really grateful. (laughs) Oh, but you guys can find me. Okay. So you can find me at daniellelavalley.com. That is a long name and Sean will have it on the podcast episode. (laughs) And I'm most active on Instagram actually at daniellelavalleyntp. I answer all my DMs and I have a link tree on there that's kind of linked to all the things that I'm doing. I am taking clients now, which is super exciting. So if you are at all, whatever interested in working with me or even following the happy weight journey, definitely reach out. I love to chat. So yay. Love it so much. Well, thank you so much for spreading your message. Always a great one to just keep reminding everybody just needs to keep reminding themselves of this and go back and listen to this episode again and also definitely share it. Like there are women in your life that need to hear this. Yes. You know, whether they're (laughs) keto or not, this has nothing to do with that. It has so much more to do with, you know, our mindset and the things that we need to do to actually become healthy. So Danielle, thank you so much. We'll talk. Thank you. Yay. (laughs) 